Hi, I'm Robert Martin, and this is the Men of Magic Podcast, a one-on-one interview with the best that Magic the Gathering has to offer. Adam, how did you get to be a writer at Wizards of the Coast? Uh, I got to be a writer at Wizards of the Coast through random selection. Um, and I don't mean that in terms of like a, like a magic lottery or anything like that. Um, I'd actually just got back into magic uh, at about Shards of Alara. And uh, I really enjoyed things. Uh, a really good local group of guys, um, you know, like 30 to 40 casual players meet weekly Thursdays. And I um, decided to start to write about some of my things and experiences for um, MTG Salvation. And um, it was through it was through that getting kind of a kind of that notice um, that I was given a, a chance to apply and submit for for writing uh, serious fun. Uh, which is, you know, the Tuesday casual column, of course, uh, for, for Wizards of the Coast. And um, it it rolled out from there, you know, did, did a submission and then went into the NDA process, and then, you know, next thing I know, I'm, I'm offered the position. Uh, and it was just a, uh, it was really, you know, it was actually pretty quick going through that process. It was, it, I think it took longer to, to just get, um, to get up into their system and, and get ready to, to begin getting articles out. Well, speaking of articles, how long does it actually take you to write one? It actually really varies by the article. Um, I usually uh, I usually spend a couple hours um, easily on each article. Um, you know, there's there's a pretty big window. Sometimes I've spent you know multiple multiple days over multiple weeks kind of looking at different things. And an article is like a culmination of a lot of effort. Um, that just takes time. Uh, you know, at, at the beginning of this. Uh, um, at the beginning of 2011, uh, 12, I should say, um, I, I went through uh, three years of the Serious Fun archive and pulled together basically a list of about 70 different formats that uh, one of the former writers of Serious Fun, Anthony Alonghi, had put together, and it's awesome. People really liked it. People were asking for it, and there's so many, there's so much content just buried in the history there, um, and so much effort it just takes just to go through read the articles, pull out and summarize each of the formats. Um, you know, for comparison, uh, you know, I might spend significantly less time on something like uh, a preview, uh, you know, for a new set, because the sometimes I get the information, um, you know, with a short turnaround, you know, obviously that, that information is extremely sensitive, and and the, the less time it's out there, the less of a risk it is for, for everyone that, you know, something unfortunate happens. So um, I won't have very long to, to go and dive into, like, a historical view or research or, or uh, you know, even really think about um, a lot of different angles of attack, so I'll often just kind of run from the gut, and it's a very quick um, iterative process where, you know, I'll run down run down my ideas, pull out the ones that look good, start writing it out, and if, you know, if that's too much, you know, kind of pare down from there, and, um, you know, it might only take me four to five hours if, um, if I'm pretty, if I'm pretty efficient at at how how my ideas work out. Um, sometimes it takes longer, you know. And of course, uh, that that that's always unfortunate when you don't get something done as quickly as you want to. But um, you know, it it just really depends on kind of kind of what's going on that week. One of the things that Wizards does that has to be a challenge for you is they do theme weeks. How much prep time do they give you for those themes? Actually, uh, theme weeks are not a challenge for me. I really really enjoy them. Um, 
the, the lead time on theme weeks is usually pretty far out. Uh, usually there's a there's a schedule and they kind of share some of the theme weeks that are coming up. And you know, like I'll like I'll know like when we'll be running previews. I may not have the actual preview information, but I know when that's going to be, and I know um, most of the theme weeks, you know, for three weeks before and after. And it's not uh, it's usually not something that that's kind of a hidden. Um, what's awesome about theme weeks though is that when you're when you're writing consistently, uh, it's you know some people really get into a, a flow where they have their own voice and they can kind of run with run with what they're doing. They can run with what uh, they like. Um, I really like to be given a focus. I don't always necessarily have like a like an ongoing theme or an ongoing discussion that I'm kind of working on, uh, or I don't necessarily have something really awesome that I that I'm desperate to share. And it's great to kind of have, you know, like a little pointer and be like, you know, you can talk about something kind of related to this this week. And it gives me an opportunity to think about, you know, an idea or a concept or, you know, the theme um, and come up with a different angle than a lot of people might might take at first glance. And I find that's a lot of fun. Well, when Patrick Jarrett got the call to Wizards of the Coast and the position for Gathering Magic came open, what was the plan to get the job? I didn't have a plan to get the job. Uh, I didn't even know I wanted to wanted to have the job. Um, I, I mean, I, I did, but you know, to clarify, I uh, you know, I, I've been I've been trying to, to to kind of move up and and do a little bit more in the community and kind of find a way to to continue to give back and, and do what I can. Um, you know, I don't have the I don't necessarily have the time, at least. To dedicate to honing my magic craft, you know, and so I can't really answer the question whether I'd ever be good enough or not for the pro tour. You know, I think everybody likes to think they are, but I definitely know I didn't have the, the commitment level to to put the the hours and the practice and the travel uh, into making that happen. So the alternatives are, you know, a little shorter, uh, you know, a little bit different. Um, you know, you can move up in, in the the card store world, and you know, there's a lot of folks that. Are really awesome and do a lot for the community. You know, at a place like Star City Games, and they, you know, they travel and, and do some coverage and judging or event management, uh, coordinating things like that. Um, you know, and then there's also a lot of a lot of sites. You know, like Gathering Magic, for example, where they provide a lot of content and they give a place for not only established writers to kind of have their own have their own place. You know, have a have somewhere that's not necessarily um, not necessarily as low as like a blog. You know, it's definitely a step up. And also a place to give people that are on a blog already and kind of have that great content and give them a chance to, to step up to another level or or increase their reach and broadcast. Um, you know, so it's so it's really great to to be in a position like that. And that's something that I was interested in that I had been working at doing for quite a while. I um, when Kelly Reed launched Quiet Specul relaunched Quiet Speculation as um, instead of a personal finance magic blog into kind of a weekly content magazine type. Uh, you know, type site like many of the other magic sites are. You know that there was room for for somebody to to do casual content and to be an editor for kind of the casual side of the content there. So I said, you know, I was interested. Um, you know, Kelly had, had met me once before. You know, talked on Twitter. You know, um, being a writer for Wizards, you know, it comes with you know at least a little bit of prestige, whether it's warranted or not. You know, and so he felt that I'd be capable of doing the job, and clearly I was. Um, I managed to, to do some things there and, and get my feet wet in um, running their back end there and, and working with writers, uh, you know, editing content, making sure it was clean, the links worked, you know, the, the technical things that are easy to easy to miss when you're when you're looking at content. 
And so when Trick uh, announced that he was going to Wizards, and you know it was awesome, and I'm like, oh sweet, you know Trick's Trick's the man. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. Um, you know he he reached out to me and was like, you know, hey, we're going to be looking for people. You know, we need somebody to replace me. Obviously, you know, have, would you be interested? And, and you know when. When I thought about it, you know, I said I'd get back to it, you know, and then I went went into the process and sent in a resume and had some interviews and, and went through that. You know, it was much more of a, you know, is there is there a way to make to make the things that Trick used to do happen in a way that I can meet that obligation uh, that doesn't kind of upend uh, you know my life and, and put me in a position where I can't handle you know what's going on. You know, we and we found a really sweet you know really sweet way to set it up and it and you know obviously I'm here doing it. What is his expectations for you and the site? I mean, I think to, to keep being awesome. I mean, Trick, Trick's fantastic. Uh, you know, it's no question. Nobody questioned how did Trick get a job at Wizards. It was, you know, he was working really hard. He did everything really well. He, you know, he put his heart into it and, you know, it came back, you know, tenfold. You know, all the, all the giving he did, all of the, all of the help that he's put into the community, you know, has been you know rewarded you know for not just for that but his technical skill, uh, his capability. You know, originally he uh, is a coder and he's very you know much more experienced on the technical side of how websites work and and you know the the actual nuts and bolts of making uh, making the back end you know function. Um, you know, I'm I don't come from a coding background. I come from you know a marketing you know um, co- uh, content type background. So, Trick's expectation for me isn't to, you know, isn't to necessarily keep keep the site together, but to make sure that it keeps uh, evolving and growing, and and doing doing the things for the community and in the community that it should be doing. Um, you know, he he set a really high bar for 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 growth and for for what it means to to, to make a site happen. And so the the challenge for me, uh, the expectation isn't that. You know that um, that I'll keep things keep things up and, and things will be you know nice and neat, but that you know I'll continue to, to push the site and that it's going to go beyond where where he had thought it would be. And I think if I can do that, you know, I, I think I've not only met but exceeded his expectation. You have plans to change the site. What is your personal goal when it comes to this site? My my personal goal is to just get more people to to want to go to Gathering Magic. You know, whether it's just for the one writer, the one person that you're like, you know what, I got to come back next week and get them. You know what, this is something neat and I want to read it again. This is something awesome. I think my buddy needs to see it. If I can make that happen more, that's a good thing. I mean, I think it's a good thing for for any site. I mean, that's the goal of why anybody writes a blog or anybody writes content for a site is that this should be awesome for somebody else and somebody else should want, want it to be awesome for somebody else beyond that. So, I mean, that's my personal goal. The actual actual changes I've made to the site um, have begun to kind of trickle on. Uh, one of the first changes I I knew I wanted to make was um, to to kind of beef up the the casual side. Um, you know, I really feel that it's you know that that there's this barrier for entry for people coming into the community. You know, like it's been so long since most of us had our first FNM. So long since most of us. Have have gone to you know a PTQ or a Grand Prix, or have read about Pro Tour coverage. You know most of us that that are in the community and and have been reading listening podcasts and reading the content. You know we've you know it's 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 some of the same old same old. You know it's not new to us, but I really want there to be 
you know, a friendly, you know, low barrier of access for somebody who's just getting in, just getting into these things, still plays, you know, whatever they play at, at their kitchen tables. I still play whatever at my kitchen tables. You know, I, I, I think that there's tons of great content out there. I wanted to make sure that there was something for, for not only everyone, but for, for, for the people that usually aren't the first on the list. You know, I, I think that there are tons of deck lists. There's lots of great ways to do analysis, and I've definitely, you know, been working to to enhance those things and everything else that goes on Gathering Magic. But bringing on the guys from the Muse Vessel and and basically dedicating Tuesday to just casual content. Like Tuesday, we're going to have videos, uh, CMDR decks. We're, we're going to have all these awesome things that make just that are just for, for the people that are just playing on the side. You know, they're not for the people that are going to be under, you know, the pro, pro tour lights, you know, at least not today, maybe, at least not tomorrow. But that for the people that, that just want to, to get something that doesn't, you know, that, that isn't approaching the game from a standpoint of you, you have to win all the time, but that you should be having fun all the time, you should be doing something you find interesting, and then just run with that assumption. That's, that's what I wanted to have happen. And... You know, I, I think that you know it's going to be exciting to see how those things pan out. The CMDR decklist group that they were at Worlds and they did a series of videos that were really neat, including getting some of the people from Wizards in there. It's good to have someone in the community that has a passion for Commander like that because Commander is such an evolving game. My question for you is: Commander is designed to be casual in nature, but yet we're starting to see a creep in people wanting to play the not-so-nice friendly decks. Is that a potential issue for Commander down the line? <laughs> it's it's not a potential issue. It's been an issue that's that's been in the community for, uh, for quite a while. I mean, you know, to kind of summarize the different approaches um, to the idea, you know, the, the three main approaches are is if I can play it, I should be able to. And that's and that's the essence of Commander. It's like, if you find it fun, interesting, that you like it, throw it in your deck. That's exactly what kind of magic is Commander's for. You know, obviously the, the problem is, is when the one guy really loves resource denial and just nobody has lands, nobody has mana, nobody has cards, you know, and for them, they find that really, you know, really exciting, it's thrilling, for whatever reason, it makes them feel good about the game. You know, there's a lot of other, other players that don't like that a lot. They they really like to throw down the biggest things they have, the biggest things they want. You know, they want to be able to play all their cards. They want to be able to do the things they want to do. Even if they're not necessarily going to win, they just want to be able to do those things. And anything that prevents them from doing that is problematic. And yeah, that's sort of the second group is, I just want to do whatever and don't stop me from doing that. You know, and then there's this really small third group that just, you know, they, they don't even care what, what's going on in the game. They just do their own thing. And um, you know that's it's it's like the like the like um, everybody's kind of met that type of player where it's it's the guy that just has the 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 zombie deck and all it does is put down zombies and it's just a zombie theme deck and it doesn't matter if the zombie's good or bad it doesn't matter if the cards in the deck are working together or not it's just these are zombies and they're coming down and they're gonna do zombie stuff you know and that's you know it's a really narrow kind of kind of flavorful theme deck. Um, so the first two groups kind of really don't like each other very much and kind of argue about what Commander's all about. Um, and the root, root of the issue is, is that Commander is just a broken format. You can just, because you can do anything, because 
the ban list isn't set up to prevent all of the awful things that could potentially happen, which would make the format awful, by the way. It's set up to, to just let people do what they want. And ultimately, there's, you know, it's not an issue of, will the people that like to deny everyone their resources make the people that love to just do the big things quit? I, I think it's just the people that love to do the big things are going to keep playing Magic and keep playing Commander with the people that love to do the big things. And the people that, that don't and do resource denial are going to continue to, to do their thing too. And when they interact, there's going to be some, some stuff. But that's the same that Magic's been since the beginning. You know, nothing's really changed with, you know, with, with the format so much as just that's now the format everybody plays. You know, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of very, you know, a lot of variety of formats over the years. You know, back before Commander, you know, 60 card decks, you know, everybody remembers the Armageddon, uh, impending disaster type land destruction deck. You know, and everybody remembers the Howling Mine. Everybody draw a bunch of extra cards and, okay, there's, there's two different mana flares in play and everybody just throw everything down decks. You know, and now it's just instead of four ofs and much more concentrated and quick, they're now 100 card decks and people have to choose their colors and commanders to make that happen. So, you know, it's, it's not a problem of the format. It's a problem of just personal understanding. You know, people just need to be able to, to take the hits and, and keep on uh, rolling. Uh, to give a good example, um, I was at, uh, back when they still had the large pre-releases, I was at the new Phyrexia pre-release. Uh, Gunslinging, my local tournament really liked me to be there to, to play with newer players and play with people that were came for commander cards and talk to people. And, you know, she always appreciated, you know, the effort I put into making sure people were having a good time. And so this one guy wanted to play commander. Great, sits down, and he's got a kiki-jiki deck. I'm like, okay, sweet. Mono red, goblins, burn. Okay, this is probably going to be pretty good because I'm running a green-white token deck with Reese Redeemed, and we're going to be aggro. It's going to be like two aggro, 100-card singles in aggro matchups. Instead, it was basically he had a mono red resource denial deck, and he blew up all my lands, uh, blew up, you know, blew up my life total, and just basically uh, locked me out of the game uh, as quickly as his deck possibly could. Um and it took a little while to kill me, but I let him do it. I let him go through and do what he wanted to do. You know, I thanked him and everything like that. And I felt awful. Like, I absolutely hated that game. It was, it was a terrible game. I didn't get to do anything I wanted to do. I didn't get, you know, I couldn't even really play my commander uh, at a certain point. It cost one man to play him. And I just, you know, I let him hit play. I could tap it. I could have played my commander, but I would have been able to just kill my commander and blow up my land anyway. So, um, you know, I really just kind of sat there at his mercy. And, he seemed to, to have fun. I mean, all the cards in his deck that could be foiled were foiled. He had, you know, Arabian Nights Mountains, which were a misprint from from that set. I mean, it, it was a, a deck he put a ton of effort into, and he clearly loved it, you know. And I, you know, and I almost wondered, did he come over to play with me because other people stopped playing with him? You know, and I think that's, you know, it's it's challenging. You know, how do you how do you fix a problem like that? Is it a problem to fix? You know, he loves his deck. And it does that. How do you how do you play with somebody like that? I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer, but I do know that I let him do that, so that way he would have a great time. What is casual magic, and why is it important to the community? <laughs> yeah, ca- casual magic is um, man. It, it's such a broad thing. It's like saying, "What is tournament magic?" Yeah, and even that's not the best comparison. But you know, tournament magic. It's like, well, you know, what do you mean tournament magic? Like, what, what kind? What's, what's the format? You know, that's the first question. What's the format? Well, in casual magic, that's what you're asking. Well, what are you playing? What's, what deck do you have? 
because you can have decks for all different kinds of variant formats, all different kinds of purposes. You, know, you can't some some commander decks you can take into a regular multiplayer game, but you can't obviously take you know a, a sixty card fun deck that you built from you know from a from a, a theme within a block and take it to a commander game. You know obviously that doesn't always translate well. It takes a lot of work to rebuild it and, and have it move. So there's you know there's all these breakdowns of what of what different ways to play are. And then there's also the the mentality. You know, what's what's the mentality of a tournament player? Well, there's actually quite a few out there. You know, there's the win at all costs, and if there's an edge to be made here, uh, I'll make the edge. There's you know the very honorable you know very honorable type where I want to make sure I'm playing the cleanest magic possible, and that my opponent doesn't get an unfair advantage, and he hits he hits his triggers, and I hit mine, and everybody's you know absolutely square, and you know within within the bounds of the game, I'm going to play. I'm just going to play the best magic I can. You know, there's there's the the kind where they just want to win and have have a good time. Where it's like I'm going to play the, play this deck. I find fun and it's great. And if I win with it, that's going to be even better. And I just want to figure out how I can win with my cool deck. It's the same thing in casual. You know, there's all these different experiences people are looking for, different flavors, different approaches to to the game. You know, there are still the people that just want to win and and want to build these really efficient, cool decks, and that's why they like commanders because they can build. Uh, a brutally efficient, brutally effective, redundant deck, even from all these individual cards, and they find that challenge uh, appealing. You know, and then there's a lot of other guys that are just like, I just want to have a blast with my buddies, and I'm going to throw this pile of cards together, and the pile of cards is less important than what who I'm sitting around with. You know, and you know that's that's a big part of what casual magic is. Um, why it's important is that is that the group of the group of people that fall into casual match is pretty much every player ever, including tournament players, including pro players today. You know, when when uh, when a professional player sits down and fires up Momir Basic, playing casual magic. There there might be an event on on Magic Online to do that, but the variance, you know, the the the, the randomness in a game of Momir Basic is so high. The the strategy is is very minimal. You know, there's there are effective ways and different you know different uh, mana cost stop points to, to make to make dudes at, but but really it's very very random and you just randomly get hosed sometimes. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, so to say that they're you know that that they're not casual players, no, they are. Everybody plays. You know, a, a team draft on the side. There's yeah, there's money on the line, but they do it because it's fun. That's why they want to do a team draft. You know, sometimes they win money. Sometimes you know that. That's why they, they initially started. But if team drafts weren't fun, they would find some other way to gamble, to, to do that money thing on the side. You know, that's why they, they, they sit there and do that. You know, and so casual magic is just the embodiment of all the fun that you can have in magic, which is why it's so difficult to talk about. There is no one casual player. You know, just like there's no one tournament type player, there's no just one person you can, you can point to. And, and so it's, so talking to everybody that plays magic, you know, is, is important just for an obvious reason. You know that not everybody wants to talk about a tournament deck. Not everybody wants to do that every week. You know, if if playing tournament magic uh, to optimize your your payout from it was a really awesome way to play magic, nobody would have complained about playing Walker points. Nobody. It, being a grinder would have been fantastic. People don't like grinding. People don't like playing the same tournament magic and focusing on the same things every day in and out. You know, it, it's really difficult. And casual magic is just what people experience magic to be fun. You know, it's when you take away that assumption of I have to win every single time, I have to be looking at how am I playing better, and you just start to focus on 
this is kind of cool. I enjoy this. These are the people that I want to play with. Um, you know, and I think it's it's absolutely essential to keep talking about those things. It's so easy to get caught up in these are the things I need to do to play better. These are the things I need to do to, to focus on my game. These are the places I need to be. These are the vacations I need to be scheduling. These are the decks I need to build. You know, you can, you can focus on all of those things all you want. You know, but at the end of the day, if you're not sitting down often enough having fun playing Magic, you're going to walk away at some point. Is there a moment for you that all these changes that have been going on for you, has it become overwhelming at all? Uh, right after I accepted uh, Trick's position and, and I started to, to think about what I was going to be doing and, and how much time that was going to take, I, I, I felt that was the only time I started to feel overwhelmed. Um, you know, and then immediately after that, you know, I, I just completely, you know, completely flipped my approach. It's, instead of focusing on everything I needed to do, I just needed to break it down into individual things. And it's something that I had been doing it for my, you know, my personal and professional position, you know, in, in the marketing department I work in. It's something I've been doing in my personal life and breaking down you know, all of my all of my financial transactions, breaking down all of my um, docu- documents and making sure that they're in order and just, you know, going through things in, in a more methodical way. Um, that, it, it not only broke the big task down into small bites, which is what you should do for anything, but it also made me feel like I, like I was accomplishing things. And so I've taken that approach to everything that I've been doing recently. And even though I've been incredibly busy and putting more hours in and, you know, my wife's been incredibly patient with me um, as I continue to work. And, you know, I sent out, you know, I sent out a, a newsletter on Christmas Eve because it was a quiet time and I could actually get, you know, a good two hours in to, to look it over and make sure it was right. You know, that that I've I've been able to, to break it down to such a granular level that it doesn't feel like it's overwhelming. Even though there's a ton of things going on, they're all easily achievable, uh, you know, once I put a little bit of time into it. Gathering Magic has taken itself on the road. They were at Worlds doing interviews. Where can we expect to see, like yourself or other people from Gathering Magic at out this year? Well, I know I'll be uh, I'll be uh, trying to travel more uh, for uh, East Coast Grand Prix. Uh, you know, Grand Prix Orlando, Grand Prix Atlanta, Boston, Baltimore. Um, most most of the the East Coast Northeast corridor uh, places I should be able to go to. Um, you know, we'll be at Gen Con just like everybody else should be. It's absolutely phenomenal. I'm really excited to go. It'll be my first year. Um, you know, if if the cards are right and things things look okay, I may be able to travel out to the West Coast again. Uh, going to going to Worlds was on. Was on my own dime. I, I took my my beautiful wife, and we went around, and we were tours for a day, and we got to explore everything that makes San Francisco awesome, uh, just by itself. Uh, but it was definitely uh, definitely a personal personal trip, at least on the outset. So I would expect uh, I would expect that uh, just by staying tuned to to my Twitter or or Gathering Magic, you'll see where where we'll be at next. Are you planning to do the same kind of interviews that? Patrick would do at events, are you planning to have the camera and do them yourself, or are you planning to get help with that, or what's the plan for that? Because that was one of the things that when you knew uh, Trick was going to that, you were going to get something... Hey, Robert. Really good. Yes. I have returned. Okay. 
My question's up there. I'm ready to read it whenever you're ready to have me go. Let's do it. With Trick going to events, you knew that he was going to get some really great interviews on camera from Mark Rosewater or any of the other pros that were out there. When it comes to your plans for this, when it comes to gathering magic on the road, are you going to be doing them or are you going to be getting help with these? Uh, I think you can you can expect to see a little bit of both. Um, you know, I don't come from a videographer background. I didn't run a, a, a video video cast uh, for a long time. You know, Trick came from the the Mana Nation kind of video cast background, very much in the vein of uh, the Magic Show. And so it's um, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. Fortunately, technology's kind of come a long way. Uh, you know, I have a flip camera. You know, the same same uh, the same video camera that the CMDR Dex uh, uses. So it's um, you know, it's definitely possible for me to do some things myself. Um, you know, we we definitely work very closely with inside the deck. Uh, you know, Richard Castle, who does fantastic videography work. That's what he does professionally, uh, and it definitely shows in the editing style and content. So, um, I would expect that you know, where available, uh, you know, we definitely want to continue to help encourage Rich and and get that type of content uh, quality of content out there. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if if you see a deck tech or two pop up and it's you know and it's uh, and it's kind of uh, my first blushes at that. Are you nervous, excited about doing that? Both. I mean, I I, I love pe- when people are excited about magic, and I love being able to share share interesting things that other people can be excited about as well. So to to be able to see a, a cool new deck and and take a look at it and you know maybe it maybe it doesn't do real well maybe it maybe it wins the wins the whole shebang you know it, it could be anywhere in between but as long as it's something that's cool and interesting and somebody's really excited to share and and other people I, I think are going to find that exciting you know I I think it's it's a no brainer to want to be able to do that type of thing so you know the the nervousness is just you know the you know if something's not up to quality. You know, the the worst that'll happen is, is I just don't publish it. Yeah, you know, and that's the ultimate. You know, that's the ultimate uh, editor kind of kind of approach that you know I'll hold myself to is that if I wouldn't, if I'm not proud putting my name on it, if I don't think that it's something that's valuable or worthwhile or good enough, you know, I just simply can cannot do that. You know, I think that once once I've figured out the niche and cadence and what I can do, um, and I can and can work better, uh, you know, make sure that that Rich has his opportunities and and let him shine. For for the things that that he'll be really good at, you know, I I think that the the nervousness will be completely gone. You know, I I think that the excitement of what we're doing will continue to shine through. You guys have taken a very aggressive approach on the site, as discussed earlier about casual. You have a lot of articles out there every week. What are you looking to publish daily or weekly? I mean, daily. I, I'd hope that we publish. Things that are interesting for for magic players. <laughs> I mean, not to not to kind of oversimplify it, but you know that you know there's there's a lot of different ways of approaching content management, and you know I'm not going to you know I'm not going to kind of uh, disclose or or um, state state all of the different um, all of the different kind of approaches that that I'm looking at applying. But 
you know, in 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 general, I'm, I'm trying to kind of bucket different different content together. So Tuesday, you know, cool casual, cool casual stuff. Monday, I'm trying to put you know some some of the the fire starter and debt consideration questions and get people thinking about things going into later in the week. Um, you know, Thursday, uh, you know, I'm trying to collect together some of the uh, some kind of some of the edgier writers and some of the guys that that have some interesting things to say and might you know and, and may not beat around the bush while they say it. Um, you know, Friday, you know, uh, inside the deck, uh, you know, the Eric Linden's This Week in Magic, you know, kind of a kind of a more of a soft overview. You know, by the time you hit Friday, you know, you probably know what deck you're playing. You're traveling to events. It's much more of a laid back, relaxed type. You know, Magic's awesome, and this is why we play type feel. So, you know, kind of kind of looking at all these different things together. You know, that's kind of the general flow. Of the week, you know, and of course there's Morthos Wednesday in the middle of all of that, which is just this really cool, flavorful, you know, let's look at different things, you know, let's look at, you know, research articles, uh, you know, hopefully there will be a bit, little bit of, you know, um, kind of casual design type content where people are looking at what if we make up our own cards, and that's something that's begun to get talked about, you know, for for cubes especially, you know, I, I need this kind of card to exist, well, why don't I just try it out and see what it does, you know, so so. All of those different things are what goes into kind of the everyday, you know. And if I can give you something interesting every week, or at least show you something maybe you haven't thought about every day, you know, I think that that's a success. You just spoke about cube <laughs> between people putting cubes online and to people having cubes locally. How difficult is it to put together a Interesting and fun cube. Very easy if you take and copy someone else's interesting and fun cube. Uh, very difficult, generally speaking, if you're building it on your own and you're in your starting fresh. Um, cube cube design development construction is awesome. Uh, it, <laughs> it takes a lot of effort to to really go through the the history of magic to really go through the. The not just the motions, but the actual time it takes to play different cards, to play with different players, to get get the feedback collected, to make the decisions you need to make. Yeah, there's there's lots of articles out there about cube design, you know, and I've written about my popper cube and kind of the things that I see there, you know, and and ultimately, you know, building a cube can be you know a very easy like I want to do that too type thing where you're following somebody else's cube and basically you're taking their advice and and kind of rolling with it that way. Um, but the to actually step to take the step and, and build your own cube from scratch is is where the effort is and the difficulty is and you can definitely do it and I and it's you know again it's it's not that anything's secret you know you pull the cards you think together you play with them and then you change what doesn't work to things that you think might and the things that you might the things that you think might work will change as you get more experience with the cube it's like anything else that you that you do uh, so I think that um, you know I, I really think that the time it takes comes down to how you approach it. With the popper cube, how difficult was it to make cuts? Because there are so many fascinating cards in the popper category that were printed as common in that area and yet did exciting things. It's pretty difficult. The two things that kind of impact my popper cube are uh, I keep pretty close to 360 cards. You know, I really try to keep it small because that gives the most control over what's going on where if something's not working 
making, you know, changing just a handful of cards uh, can, can really fix a problem. Uh, you know, I used to have an issue with uh, blue not being able to stand on its own because in, in common, you know, a lot of the efficient removal and commons and, and aggressive cards for limited were printed, and so blue is kind of left in the dark there. And in the recent years, um, Wizards has really done a great job with, with increasing the power of commons in limited. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of commons that, that are much more powerful than, than back in the day. Um, even though the rares and, and, you know, and that tier of card have kind of leveled off and maybe aren't quite as powerful, you know, as like Urza Saga, for example, uh, which is really busted. But the making cuts, making cuts today is, is more challenging because of those changes. Um, you know, the with Innistrad and M12, I think I brought in at least 20 different cards to the cube uh, from from those two sets, and it, it just speaks to the power and potential uh, that are that are coming at Common now. Um, so the the changes are getting really difficult. You know, green green is getting access to more removal. Blue is getting access to more removal. Uh, blue is getting access to more efficient uh, creatures. Uh, you know, red's getting access to, to more interesting things and types of evasion. Uh, so it's it's really really gives a, a cube designer the the ability to kind of sculpt and shape how they want those colors to play out. Um, you know, and I'm trying to keep them you know pretty balanced, but at the same time give them something different and unique that makes them compelling to want to play. You know, if you if you like blue, you should like drawing cards. You should want to be able to play cards that draw you more cards, and you should be able to do things that that let you get to the point in the game where drawing those extra cards are more meaningful. Um, you know, and so crafting that at common is is difficult, but um, it's come a long way from what it was before. And so, for example, for the longest time, uh, and I still think right now, I'd, I'd, have to, I'd have to triple check to make sure, but I don't think Think Twice is in my cube. Even though it's a common, and it's been reprinted, and it's a very powerful one, um, there's just other cards that, that Blue needs to use that give you the type give you the feel of drawing more cards and giving you the time to let other things that draw your cards make their effort. Besides articles on your site and when you have time, who do you enjoy reading? I enjoy reading Mark Rosewater. Um, I've, he's one of the very few writers that I've followed for all time. I continue to come back and read him. Um, you know, I, I enjoy John Capora. He, you know, he says a lot of things. I think I, I think a lot of us wish we could say, uh, and he does it in a way that's, well, harsh, also funny and interesting, and um, you know the that type of that combination of just honesty and freshness with uh, with entertainment is the type of uh, kind of humor that I like to like to watch. You know, I'm very much into black humor, British humor, um, you know. So the, so the things that really kind of light light that end of of excitement for me um, bring me back. Um, I, I really liked reading Zach Hill, um, and I'm, so I'm super pleased that he's, you know, he's writing uh, uh, again, uh, you know, at Wizards of the Coast. You know, except now that he's at the same week, you know, that I'm writing at, so I feel like I've got to write better to kind of catch up. Uh, you know, so it's it's definitely um, I definitely read the guys that I wish that I could write more like, and that I wish that I could learn more from. So I think that kind of I think it kind of describes the, the, the probably the three that I definitely look forward to reading the most every week. What is it about Mark's personality that makes him so good and accessible to the community? It's just he's just super personable. 
you know, he's he's genuinely and deeply excited about everything that makes magic awesome, all the things that make design work, all of the cool concepts and ideas that that we think about just in general in fantasy, he's in a unique position to help make sure they get translated into magic. That, you know, that the things that, that we find exciting as players are the same things he's excited about making us excited about. And I think that that level of connection that he he seems to deeply want to sat- not only satisfy us all, but give everybody something. And, I, you know, part of that's a function of just how magic has to work. They have to give something for everybody. They have to give... Uh, things that all different types of players will enjoy, but he's excited about making sure that happens. And I think that 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 level of of kind of personal stake uh, makes him accessible. You know, makes him want to hear the things that we're saying. Want, makes him want to give us that feedback. And I think that it's that relationship there that that makes him so compelling. He was generous enough to do two interviews with me at Worlds. And speaking of podcasts, because you've been a part of Monday Night Magic along with other various podcasts. Who do you enjoy listening to? I really enjoy limited resources. Um, the the more I play Magic, you know, and this is pretty common from most of the players I talk to, the, the more I've gotten into limited. And to, to hear somebody who basically started started playing Magic uh, again around the same time I did, Shards of Alara, and just has grown so much as a player. Um, I, I mean, I think, I think Marshall... Was was thirty third at Grand Prix Austin? I think that was the final standing. Yes. I mean, it's just, you know, it's incredible. You know, I mean, it's just you know, I I I would I would want to have the confidence in my capability to be able to do something like that, but I think that it takes a different type of you know, different type of mentality and player to be able to actually perform at that type of level. And it's really exciting that somebody that that I listen to that I find really personable that I think uh, you know really cares about what's going on and and really thinks about this kind of stuff all the time was able to to kind of step forward and 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 show that it's that it's there it pays off and and hard work can move you forward so yeah he's probably my favorite um i really like uh sam stoddard and cranny in contention uh those guys are not only awesome and, and you know i'm kind of friendly familiar with them but but i think that they have really good insight really really good approaches to things um i definitely enjoy listening to them a lot um, of course, I really miss Tom on Monday Night Magic. We all <laughs> I, uh, Yeah, it's you know, I, I wish I wish I could tell Tom things that I know because there's something I know that will make Tom very very happy, and uh, you know, um, you know, and that's all I can say about that. But just having having worked with Tom briefly, um, and being being there to interact with him and and. Help make Monday Night Magic, you know, a little bit better. You know, I, I definitely miss just that that sweet, sweet Tom voice. He is, in my opinion, when it comes to podcasting, he is the ultimate casual player. From the fact that he'll readily admit, I don't know all these cards, and I don't know what they do, but I can have so much fun with this game, take it on different places, and make. Monday Night Magic, the most popular podcast out there on the network. I think that says a lot to him and to the casual game itself. Yeah, I mean, I Tom Tom loves what he what he did. Loved making good things happen, and um, you know, I, I don't think anybody would fault Tom for not being a great guy. Who is the next person in the Magic community, considering Trick was our last person? 
and Gavin. <laughs> the list goes on and on. Who do you think is the next person in the Mazic community to be a part of Wizards of the Coast? It's just a guess. God. Oh, man. <laughs> I've never had to think about that before. And, of course, like thinking about it at any given time would change it. You know, I, I'd really like to see... Um, I'd really like to see somebody who's been quite consistent and incredibly thoughtful kind of get a chance to step forward. So, I mean, I'd really like to see somebody like Marshall, you know, from Loon Resources, uh, Sam Stoddard, you know, probably just one of the guys that, that, that I really like and, and think about and, and listen to and pay attention to, um, but doesn't currently work for Wizards of the Coast, get their chance. <laughs> if this weekend, if this proved anything, Marshall's a natural on the microphone when it comes to video coverage, too. He not only got to do a segment after his feature match, he also got to come into the back into the booth uh, for the top eight and did more coverage then. The reason why I'm asking you this question is they took Marshall's partner, his first partner, and he's a part of Wizards of the Coast. And when this happened, I joked with him. I said, you're next. And he goes, no, this will never happen. And this weekend really should make Wizards of the Coast really rethink that question because he was natural. Just with Brian David Marshall, he looked like he was sitting with him and had been working with him like Rich had for years. Well, I mean, to be fair, they've they've met before and they've hung out and drafted and, and they've made a, a point to be very conversational. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's no secret that they're friends. I mean, I think that helps a lot, too. You know, I mean, you can you can think about, you know, different coverage points when you have somebody who just won an event but isn't really familiar with either of the people interviewing from you know there's definitely some some lag time in getting that familiarity going so i mean you know it's it's awesome that that he's doing that you know and he has you know he gets to show that off you know but a lot of that comes from practice you know when you're when you're streaming and you're talking on your stream and and doing things in magic and explaining them as you do them you know that that type of of competence and, and, and kind of ability to manage the information of the game, you know, takes practice, you know, and because he's been practicing it, it makes it a lot easier to jump in like that. Well, I am definitely looking forward to more great things from Gathering Magic in 2012. It's interesting to see the transition actually happen literally before your eyes, and you have a very good mindset for what you want to do with it to take it to the next level. Trick was able to do all the finer things you don't see. With your ability and background in marketing, I mean, this should be able to make it reach out to a larger segment of the community and dig in, make your niche there. And I, as a reader, look forward to seeing that happen. Outside of all this wonderful stuff that's going on with your job, with this job, and now the little job that's coming soon. What are your personal expectations in 2012? The expectations I have for myself is I want to make myself I want to make myself better as I leave things behind me better than I found them. It's yeah, I really wish I could attribute the quote because I had it shared with me once, and I can't. I just don't remember. I haven't been able to figure out who said it to me or, or who's, who had said the original quote. But the, the idea works like this. You know, we, we encounter people, we encounter things, we encounter the world around us. 
you know, and we're given the opportunity to interact with it. And you can you can do any number of things. You can destroy it. You can mimic it. You can you can adapt to it. You know, what I really want to do is I want to leave things better than I found them. You know, if I come across you know if I come across a writer or I come into a situation, I want to be able to help them. You know, I want to be able to share share good things. I want to be able to to make um, to, to to empower them to make something better than they made it before. And maybe it's not a huge difference. Maybe it's tiny little increments. But you get enough of those tiny little increments. You get enough of those positive influences going, and suddenly, you know, you you start you start seeing things a little bit differently, a little bit better, a little bit more awesome. You know, and so I not only want to do that for myself, which I think everybody wants to do. Everybody wants to improve and be better than they were, and 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 enjoy the things that they want to enjoy. But through through developing myself, I want to make sure that I can translate and share that process and share the things that that I've been able to see differently and the wisdom that I've gained, and kind of pass that on faster, pass on more of it, and help people do the things that that they want to do, and and help encourage them to explore the avenues they want to explore. And if I do both throughout 2012, I, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, I don't know. The sky is going to be the limit. You know, I don't know what will happen this year, but I, I think it's only up. Thank you for listening to The Men of Magic. You can contact me at themenofmagic at gmail.com, on Twitter under The Men of Magic, or my personal account, The Beamy. This is Robert Martin, and again, thank you for listening. <laughs>